Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word and your grace. Father, we pray now that everything done and said will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom, Father, and into your pleasure. And we give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. So this uh, good church lady was, was in the market for a pet. And so she went to the pet store and she went through all the pets. And, and she couldn't figure out what she wanted. And there was this beautiful parrot. And so she decided she wanted a parrot. So she talked to the pet store operator and he said, Ma'am, I would love to sell you the parrot, but this parrot belonged to an old nasty sailor and he has a filthy mouth. And she said, I'm not worried about that. I have the love of Jesus and I will change him. Pet store said, okay, well, that's fine. So she takes the parrot home and the man, the parrot just cusses and cusses and cusses and cusses. And so she keeps trying to talk to him. She, she finally says, hey, listen, that's it. Next time you cuss, I'm putting you in the freezer for 10 minutes. The parrot started cussing some more, and she reached over there and put him in the freezer and shut the door. And the parrot went berserk, cussing and ranting and raving for about a minute and a half, and then it got really quiet. So she opened the door. She thought something was wrong. She opened the door, and the parrot stepped out and said, Ma'am, I do apologize for my language. I will, not, I will refuse to speak like that again. And the lady said, well, that's very good. And she took him out, and he said, Can I ask one question? What exactly did the chicken do? <clears throat> Oh, my. Um, I thought it was a good one. In fact, I've been excited about it all week, and y'all didn't laugh near hard enough. Doggummit. I probably didn't do it. Chris always says I don't do a good job telling it, so it'll be my fault. All right, so uh, uh, what we're going to talk about today is um, something that everybody in the room deals with, no matter if you're young or old or, 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 or whatever. It doesn't matter. Boy or girl, it doesn't matter. It's called unrealistic expectations, right? We have unrealistic expectations of things that we do, and most of our unrealistic unreal expectations are on people. Well, it could be on dogs, or in jobs, or on stock markets, or on ball teams, or whatever, but mostly people, right? Because what we, what we do is, is, is we put our trust in people instead of our trust in God, and we have this expectation somehow that they are going to satisfy us, fulfill us, um, be there for us, talk to us, build us up. And that's just not the truth. So if you would, if you could turn with me to Jeremiah um, chapter 17 and verse 5. And this is a really good scripture if you wanted to preach this sermon. You can't not start with this one. So this is what the Lord says. This is Jeremiah the prophet speaking to the people. This is what the Lord says, colon, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places of the de desert in a salt land where no one lives, right? That's what happens if you put your trust in men. Now, I'm not saying you can't, and let me back up. I have no reason to not trust my spouse or anybody else around me. This is not a scorned message that something's happened that I'm, you know, scorned. This is what God wanted me to preach. So if you can gather uh, um, something good out of it, good. And if you can't, then, you know, come back next week and we'll, we'll preach about something different. But when we put our trust in man, it leads to disappointment. And whether that man or woman or in man, when I say man, I mean like human, not man-man. When we put our trust in humans, or we put our hope in humans, or we put our joy in humans, or we put our dependency on humans, 
we tend to set ourselves up to be disappointed, right? I mean, you know, right now, look, in this group, if you pull for Timberland, Berkeley, Carolina, or Clemson, and you put your trust in the football team this week, you're fairly disappointed. All, all, all aspects of that, we can all agree that I don't know when's the last time all four of them lost in a weekend, but, but you know, your only hope now is that if you're a Cowboys fan or whatever, and they're off this week, so they can't lose. I mean, that's really it. But if you put your hope, your joy, your, your, your happiness, your, your anything into, into man, you lead yourself into a place where Jeremiah says that person will be like a bush in the wasteland that they do not see prosperity when it comes, so, so not that they don't see prosperity, like when prosperity is all around, when you trust only in man, even when prosperity is all around, you still don't see it. You still don't have part of it. And this is, you know, well, well so what was the old saying that heaven and earth will pass away, but my friends will never pass away? No, that isn't what it says. It was something else. It was like. Trust in man always, and he will never disappoint. No, that's not it either. See, that's the problem is, is we take man or people and put them in the place to where God says that my heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So people aren't the same yesterday, today, and forever. They're not. You can have friends that were your friends 10 years ago might not be your friends. Heck, you can have friends that was your friend last week that might not be your friend this week. You might think they was your friend last week, but in reality, they really wasn't your friend last week. See, that's what makes Jesus so special, that he loved the world when he knew how bad you were, and he knew how devious you were and how untrustworthy you were, right? He knew the, the make of man, and yet he still died for us and, and went to hell and paid our penalty. But if you read on down, Jeremiah says, wait a minute, but, but... Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And this is that same scripture, not same scripture, but the same saying that's in Psalms 1, and it's a couple places in the Bible. For they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots in, out by the stream, that does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. See the difference of the people who or trust in man and man's systems and man's timing, they are like a bush in the desert where nothing can live. But the people who trust in God, they are like a, a tree planted on the edge of the river. What is it funny about the tree? Y'all ever, ever flown across the country? Right? You fly across, Gary flies across the country every once in a while. He probably knows. But you could see, like, if you, uh, I'm, a, I'm a nut, right? So I look at the farms and the stuff on the ground. But you can see, even out in the middle of nothing, if you see a river, you could see all of the green around that river. It goes out like fingers out into the wide, in, into the, there's nothing. But you could see the green go out beside that river. Why? Because everywhere that there's a river, there's water. And where there's water and sunlight, there's vegetation. So when those rivers go out into the waste, right, there's nothing in the middle of nothing. Those rivers have trees and bushes and life and animals and stuff, right? Because water is really what takes to, to need what you need, right? The water is what it takes to establish life. Even in the middle of the desert, if there was a river that ran through it, close to that river, there would be green plants and trees and animals, right? Right? So the river is really what God looks like. 
Because where there's God, there is life and life abundantly. Where there's God, there are plants and animals and stuff and prosperity and things that we need. But when you go back to where Jeremiah said that you would be Dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. So out in the middle of the middle of the nothing. See, that's the opposite of what God looks like. He supplies all of my needs through his riches and glory. And if that need is water, then he is supplying me with water, right? But if we're in the middle of the desert, if you're away from God, you're away from the supply. For the animals and the trees and the bushes and the grass to grow, they need water. For us to be who we're supposed to be, for us to grow and to develop and to become the Christians that we're supposed to be, we need God. Without God, it is impossible to be who we're supposed to be. So when we put our unrealistic expectations into people, well, you know, my husband provides for our family or my um, parents supply. No, they really don't. God supplies our needs. We get hung up with the, the, the method of the means. Now, 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 just a side note, Paul says a couple of times, if you don't work, you don't eat. So you can still be trusting in God and not work and still not eat. Okay, you, you have some responsibilities to show up. It's not a welfare state. God doesn't work on a welfare state. He works on a state of grace. So it takes some, we have to accept the grace and develop. But here, when we focus on God... No drought can change us. You know, even in the biggest drought, we're in a pretty good drought right now. But if you go down to the Santee River and look at the bushes that are on the bank at the Santee River, they're growing and doing just fine. They have all the water they need. They have all the nutrients they need. Nothing's changed. Now, if you look, you know, I mean, the creeks are dry right now. It's, it's pretty tough. It's real dusty. It's, it's dry. But close to the source, the close to the river, there are lots of Life and, and, and lots of supply, all right? So when we put our trust in God, that supply never ends. It never changes. It doesn't move. And uh, I mean, I know a river moves, right? A river moves over time. That's how you get oxbow lakes and different things. But it don't move like, well, it was my friend last week. The river was right here. And this week, the river got up and left. When, when God is our, our source and our provider, we stand in the river. We have the supply around us. All right, so let's go to, um, I guess I need to open my book, huh? I think I want to go, uh, the gospel according to John. And, and, and I said this a minute ago, but I want to show you it in Scripture, because I'd never seen it in Scripture, not in this light. <clears throat> but it's a very important Scripture. So, the Gospel according to John, chapter 2, um, and we'll read it verse 19. So, 2.19, and then Jesus answered them, I will destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he has spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, and the disciples recalled what he had said, then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, 23, now while he was in Jerusalem at a Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. 
He did not any, need any testimony about mankind, a mankind, for he knew what was in each person. So he already knew who people are. I mean, the same people who followed him and, and worshipped him and, and told him how great he was and, 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 and wanted whatever he had, right? They wanted the fish that fed the 5,000. They wanted the wine at the wedding. The same people, the same people stood in front of Pilate and said, crucify him. I mean, right? Those are the same people. I mean, this is not a um, um, there's not millions of people in this area. So if there was a crowd gathered up to watch Jesus heal the sick, that has to be some of the same crowd that stood at the feet of Pilate and said, crucify him. I mean, we agree with that, right? I mean, it wasn't like it was a different shift of people. It wasn't in a different town. I mean, if you have a, a, a gathering in the, in the town and then have another gathering in the town, it's the same faces, it's the same people who are laying their coats down on the, on the street for the donkey to walk over were the same people yelling, crucify him. He knew what the man, he knew the character of man. He would not entrust himself to them. He did not have to have their um, approval. He did not need their testimony. He did not need what they had. They needed what he had. See, people, we don't need people. And you go, well, yeah, I really do need people. Yeah, 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 uh, uh, yes. God made man and woman, and they were to be married and become one. I get it. But when our trust is in God, that marriage works so much better than when our trust is in the person. And I, I'm not discrediting the person's part of the marriage. I'm not. I'm not discrediting you being a good friend, a good employer, a good child, a good parent. You are. It is your job. But people fail. And when we put our expectations in people, people fail, and it leads us away from God. But when we put our expectations in God, He never fails. He's never late. He's never early. He does not change. His word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you want to be disappointed in life, you put all of your expectations, your hopes, your wants, your needs, your desires in people, and you will live a disappointed life. But if you don't want to live a disappointed life, then you need to put your wants and desires and needs in the hands of the creator of the universe. He does not disappoint. Faith in God does not disappoint. Faith in people disappoint. Like Jeremiah was saying, you get to choose. It's pretty simple. You get to choose if you want to live in the desert where nobody can live or at the river planted by the water where you can grow and have fruit no matter what's going on around you. That's a choice. I mean, you understand, right? It's a choice. It's a choice that we put our trust in God and not our trust in the people or the stock market or the football team or the education system or the government or anything else. We put our trust in God. And when we do, when we do put our trust in God, we are then planted by the waters and he does allow our leaves to stay green and we still produce fruit even in the worst of times. But it's a choice. God doesn't force us to pick, I mean, he doesn't force us to choose him. He allows us to choose him. He didn't want a, 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 
a group of mindless zombies that just worshipped him because that's what they were supposed to do. He wanted to create a race of being an animal that had a free will and a free choice to choose whether or not to worship God or not. And we make that choice every day. We decide whether we want to depend our lives on God or if we want to depend our, God on, our lives on man. And you go, well, I don't really do that, do you? I mean, it, it, this is an introspective part of the sermon to where we need to be thinking about our lives and what we do and where we go and how we talk and the people that we associate with. I mean, you ever had a good friend turn their back on you? You ever had a, a, a situation where, man, if you just did what you were supposed to do, I wouldn't be in this mess. I mean, I, I, I'm asking. Because I, I believe that if you've been here, I mean, maybe not Charlie and, and Margot and Kate and Ann Hunt, maybe not the, the, the little tiny ones, but I believe if you've made it much past like kindergarten or, 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 or fifth grade, that you've had an opportunity to where your friend could have been a friend, and in fact, they weren't. And it hurts. And it's not fun. And then we go, oh, God, how did you let this happen? And God's sitting going, you know, I gave you a choice that you could put your trust in me or put your trust in man. I mean, you get to pick. And so our expectations, when we give our expectations to God, have you ever been disappointed in God? Now, look, I've had some opportunities to where I don't understand. Right? I, I can tell you I don't understand. But, but it, I don't know all the details either. I mean, you know, folks have passed away or folks have moved away or folks have turned their back. Or, and, and, and here again, that's all people. It's all people. There are times where I've been, you know, baffled at some of the things that have happened around me. But I know that God is still right there and he hasn't moved a lick. I know that he created the universe. I know that he sent a savior for us. I know that Jesus came to this earth, lived as a perfect land, died on the cross, taking my sin and your sin and my sickness and your sickness and my disease and your disease into the pits of hell for three days and three nights and was resurrected and sits on the right hand, um, right hand of God. That's what I know. I know that he loved me so much he was willing to go through that. <clears throat> I don't know what you think about me, truthfully. Have you ever really told somebody what you really, really thought? It never ends well. I've done it a couple times in my life. It never goes like you think it's going to go. I really think you should keep my mouth shut is what I really think. That's exactly what I think. But I know what God thinks about me. Why? Because he sent his prophets and his son and all of these people to record exactly what God thinks about me. How I should act, how I should walk, how I should talk, where I should go, what I should do. Now, do we do a good job of that? No, no, we don't necessarily do a good job of that. We're human. See, that's the thing, right? Because as humans, we say, I expect my friends to treat me like I'm supposed to be treated all the time. However, in the same sentence, you are not always the best friend. It's really difficult when you're talking about people because people want grace. Well, that's just how he is, or that's just how she is, or that's just their personality, or that's just how they act right i mean you ever said that statement 
You ever say, well, you know, I know he's a little tough to take, but that's just him. And then turn around in the next sentence and go, well, I don't like so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, wait a minute, that might just be them too. See, grace should be a two-way street. If you want grace, you've got to give grace. But when we put our trust in people, it's ill-fated. It's not in the right place. Because our trust, our trust should be in God. Um, turn with me, Will, if you will. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Isaiah. <clears throat> Uh, chapter 40, and I know you know the scripture, but it, it fits. Uh, 40, actually start in verse 28. Do you know, or have you not heard, that the Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding can no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. For they will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not grow faint. See, that's a whole other thing about putting our trust in God. Because it does not say if you put your trust in a person. Because actually, in verse 30, it says even the young people, right? Even, even the people who shouldn't get tired, they get tired. And they stumble and fall. Because we all fall. We all stumble and fall. We all do things we shouldn't do, say things we shouldn't say, or act the way we shouldn't. So if, if for some reason, man, I want to get this point, and I want it to be right. If for some reason you felt like your salvation was tied to a person, can you, can you fathom that for just a second? Let's get real crazy. Let's say your salvation somehow tied to me. And you and Robbie has got to act exactly like I'm supposed to all the time for you to be saved. Anybody willing to take that bet? No. No. Why? Well, because I might miss a deer and throw stuff and say bad words. Or I might go to a softball game and yell at an umpire. I might, you know, just act like me in general. You will not accept your salvation based on my merit. Would you? I mean, none of y'all, right? Nobody. Would you, okay, so would you accept salvation based on your merit? Are you willing to hang your salvation on your works, your goodness, your decision making? No, right? I mean, praise God, no, no. So why would you put your hope and expectations in me or you why would you put your expectations and happiness in your decisions in your ability to make the right decision on your ability not to fall y'all willing to do that are you willing to put your joy and your your hope and your expectations and your future strictly on your flesh because if the answer is yes you're exactly who i'm talking about because the answer is no, absolutely not. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My strength comes from God. I count on God and he lifts me up. I can run and not grow weary. I cannot get tired. He builds me up. He bolsters me with his strength. Not my strength. My strength is fleeting and failing. His is not. 
His is renewed constantly. See, that's the whole thing. We get so caught up into our happiness and our joy and our fulfillment and our encouragement from people that we get so hung up that we don't realize where it really comes from. It has to come from God. If it doesn't come from God, you're putting your trust and your hope in something that is failing. <clears throat> Would you take your prized family photos and put it on a 10-year-old computer and hope that it doesn't crash? I, I'm just trying to get the right, the right understanding of what do you... What is your prized possession and how far are you willing to entrust it into something that's failing? Would you put your money in a safe that you could open with a toothpick? I mean, I, it's, I mean I'm, I'm trying to get the right example where everybody understands that the, the, the most important thing that we're doing right now is that we're walking according to God's Word and then our hope and our trust and our love and our expectations come from God and not from people. Because when they're in God, we're happy, we're fulfilled, our expectations are met. When they're in people, we're disappointed and depressed and broken and we don't know what's wrong. We are in an arid, dry place that where God is not. And no one lives there. That's what it said. That's what Jeremiah said. It's a place that no one lives. Or we can be by the, I mean, so if you were buying property, right? If you were buying property anywhere, anywhere in the United States, you're buying property. Do you think it costs more for an acre of land in the middle of the desert on the side of a river? That, that oceanfront property? No, I'm not talking about oceanfront. I'm talking about riverfront. Somehow it seems like when land touches water, the price goes up. Right? I mean, all of a sudden, the price goes up. We get to choose whether we live in the arid desert or planted by the river. Every day. Every day. So as we spend time with God and we develop that relationship and we put our trust in Him, and our expectations in Him, and our development in Him, and our happiness in Him, we should be better and better and better and better. And when we're not, maybe we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Maybe our trust isn't in God. And look here, I, I want to clarify that last little point. Some of the best, most faith-filled compassionate words Paul ever wrote he was chained to a cell he was chained to a wall in a cell in prison for preaching the gospel some of the best words that we 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 base our our our, our faith in God on was written while he was chained in a filthy cell he talks about joy and love and peace and kindness chained in a cell so what's happening on the outside should not affect what's happening on the inside. When our expectations are on God, regardless of what's happening around us, we know that God is faithful and He is going to do what He said He was going to do. Our outside circumstances should not be able to determine our attitude or our expectations or our joy. Because Paul sure didn't write those. I mean, y'all ever, I mean, 
I won't know. I was going to say, who, who in here has ever been to jail? But then y'all have to tell them, don't, don't tell me. I don't want to know if you've ever been to jail or not. I don't know. But, I mean, I would think jail's probably pretty low, right? How many have you been in the lowest point you could be in and sat down and wrote letters to people and told them how much God loved them and how great he was and how good his grace was? Is that what y'all do? I mean, they, Paul and Silas was praising and worshiping. Locked in the jail, middle of the night. I would bet that's not our, but why? Because their trust was not in the jailer or the, the judicial system or anything else. Their trust was solely based on God. Their belief system was solely based on what God said. So no matter if they were in prison, they were being beaten and tortured. Paul was shipwrecked three or four times, three times. He was bitten, beaten with a cat of nine tails. I mean, he, he had some bad stuff. He was stoned one time. That does not sound like a warm, fuzzy life. That does not sound like something like, man, sign me up. Shipwrecked three times, bitten, beaten with a cat of nine tails, stoned me maybe. That sounds great. Yet he wrote some of the lovingest, most compassionate, grace-filled, faith-filled words ever written. Why? Because he was focused on what God said and what God did around him and not what was taking place. He made the decision that I'm going to be planted by the, the river and my roots are going to be down in the water and I'm going to bear fruit no matter what. See, bearing fruit no matter what means that it's in the middle of a tornado or a hurricane or in jail or broken, destitute, and it doesn't matter. Then I'm still going to look like Jesus did. Not perfect. But I'm still going to look, have that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is still going to come from me no matter what's going on around me. Why? Because my trust is only in God. It's not in my parents. It's not in my children. It's not in my siblings. It's not in my congregation. It's not in my town. It's not in our judicial system. It's not in our government. Sure as heck, it's not in my football team. My trust is in God. that's what I want it to be anyway. That's, that's, uh, so maybe I'm preaching this sermon to me. I want my trust to be solely in God. That where my attitude, you couldn't tell if I lost everything I had or was on top of the world because God is first in my life. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we pray that it will not return void, but it will go and accomplish what it was sent to do. And we give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.